Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Monday, March the 9th, 2009. back. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and listening to the show. I know it's been a while since I've put one out. I had planned to actually do one uh, probably about a good three weeks ago. Unfortunately, I got some of the uh, illness and sickness that's been going around, um, and uh, it kind of went from my head down into my chest, and I've still got a little bit of it, so I'm still fighting it off. Uh, So hopefully the sound quality won't be too bad. And uh, I won't uh, cough too much or clear my throat too much. Uh, So now for some contact info. If you would like to contact me, uh, please feel free to do so at firearmscafe at gmail.com. Or if you want, you can leave me a comment on the forums at Gun Rights Radio in the Firearms Cafe section. And you can get to the forums... Uh, by typing in uh, gunrightsradio.com and then you can click on the forum button on the top of the page or you can go to my website Firearms Cafe and click on the forum link there and that will get you there as well. Uh, So you can send me an email or an mp3 and I'll be happy to read it or play it on the next show. Do you have any weapons? Any guns? The best, but we won't need them. I'm glad to hear it. I want one anyway. We have some good news about the Gun Rights Radio Network. There's a new show that has joined the network, and that show is the Gunfighter Cast, and it is hosted by Daniel Shaw and Justin Olson. They are active-duty Marines. They have a few shows out, and as far as I know, they plan on doing a weekly show. And I really enjoy their uh, episodes, and I look forward to many more. They have a really good chemistry together. And they make a lot of good and uh, valid points, but they never come off as if they know everything or that they are the sort of the be-all and end-all. They do give you their experiences and let you know uh, where their point of view comes from. Uh, All in all, they seem to be a couple of really good guys, and if you haven't subscribed to their show, I'd highly recommend that you do. Uh, I've posted a link uh, to their show on my site. Uh, And you can subscribe to them uh, either with iTunes or Zune. uh, Or you can also listen to their show on their site. Uh, Now the song that we heard earlier was about the atomic bomb being dropped. And how you should duck and cover. Uh, Unfortunately for us in the gun and second amendment culture, we have our own bomb hanging over our heads. And while that bomb is not literally an atomic bomb, It is, in a very real sense, uh, an intellectual bomb of sorts. 
And if this thing goes boom, you and I are not going to become a race of atomic superman. Now, if the Obama administration is able to drop the bomb on us, it will harm us not only at the point of impact, but the fallout from it will affect us and our children and grandchildren for many years to come. Uh, so, what do I mean by that? Well, he's not going to try and nuke the Second Amendment, but he will do a tactical strike. And by that I mean he'll, he'll pick and choose certain things to go after. So, he's not going to try and have the Second Amendment written out of the Constitution, at least not for now. But what he will try and do is to bring things like the assault weapons ban back. And if, if we're realistic, we know that another assault weapons ban is coming down the pipe. Um, we see that clearly illustrated by our uh, new attorney general and what he said. Uh, now, again, when I say Obama, I don't mean that the man himself is going to sit down and draft new legislation to ban firearms. When I say he, I mean not only him, but his administration and those in both parties that support gun bans and the hamstringing and eventual demise of our ability to exercise our Second Amendment rights. Uh, while Obama may not be directly behind certain bills, he'd certainly lend his support to them. So he would be able to say, well, you know, my name is not on any of these documents and I didn't bring these bills to pass. But I think we all know that behind closed doors he can easily say, you and you and you get me a uh, assault weapons ban going, and you and you uh, get on uh, a semi-auto ban. I want that in the works as soon as possible. Now, one of the things that I feel will be pushed for over and over again is some type of form of, of uh, national registration of firearms. It's, it's funny, though, how Obama and other liberals are all for states' rights uh, when those states want to ban guns or enact more and more gun control laws. But when it comes to states that issue concealed carry or states that try to uh, repeal some of the numerous uh, ineffective gun laws or strengthen some of the protections that we have as armed citizens, he thinks that the federal government should step in and regulate that. Remember, he doesn't think that anybody should be able to carry concealed, except for his bodyguard and, and certain members of the government. You and I, the average citizens, we would be left out. Getting back to registration, I know that he is in favor of national registration because he said so. I can tell you the reason for his support of national registration is that when it comes time, uh, to, as uh, Nancy Pelosi has said, for Mr. and Mrs. America to turn them in, and it goes from registration to confiscation, it would just be that much easier for the government to come and get them. And remember, confiscation never really happens all at once. It, it never really does. So let's say that there comes a time when all semi-autos are banned. And remember that this is something that Obama supports. If you're a current semi-auto owner, you would be allowed to have it because you'd be grandfathered in, for lack of a better word. But when you're gone, when you die, 
that firearm has to be turned into the state. You would not be allowed to pass it down to your kids or to other family members, and that would include spouses, and you certainly would not be allowed to pass it uh, on to a friend. And we see how that word allowed keeps popping up over and over. So anyway, it would have to be turned in. So right then and there you have confiscation. Now, it may not have been immediate, but eventually it had to be turned in. And if your family doesn't turn it in, the government, be they the local police, the sheriff's office, ATF, FBI, whoever, they're going to come and they're going to get it. And you say, well, how are they going to know if I had one? Well, because Obama's administration was able to pass national registration. And so when you bought a new firearm, that information was sent to the government. Uh, also, you can, you can bet your life that any type of national registration would also include all the guns that you currently own would all have to be registered as well. So in looking at that scenario, we see how Obama and others like him can say, well, look, I'm not taking your guns away. You can still own them. Uh, on the campaign trail, uh, he said this, and I'll, I'll go ahead and play this for you. I, I, I just want to be absolutely clear, all right? So I don't want any misunderstanding when, when y'all go home and you're talking to your buddies and they say, ah, oh, he wants to take my gun away. You've heard it here. I'm on television, so everybody knows it. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in people's lawful right to bear arms. I will not take your shotgun away. I will not take your rifle away. I won't take your handgun away. So by his definition and by the definition of others who share his views, he would not have taken away a firearm from anyone who owned one. Uh, as long as you, the registered owner, are alive, you can have it. But when you die, nobody owns it anymore, so it has to be turned in. National registration, a ban on the sale, manufacture, and importation of all semi-autos, bans on any private sale or gifting of any firearms. These are all things that Obama wants to come to pass. These gun control ideas are all things that he has stated he supports and he feels that they are and would be common sense restrictions and regulations. In another one of his speeches he stated that that all rights can have restrictions placed upon them. And of course he trotted out the old argument of well you can't yell fire in a crowded theater stating that you cannot cause public mayhem or disorder and that if if he did so even he could be in trouble. Well that's not true at all. You and I and, and even he can yell fire in a public theater if there's a fire. And he hopes that most people won't see that and won't understand that. Now his argument doesn't hold up because his type of restrictions that he wants to place on Second Amendment rights, if we applied those to First Amendment issues and rights, those restrictions would seek to stop you from being able to even say the word fire. Uh, he and other super liberals would deny that, but that's the true nature of those type of restrictions. 
A little earlier in the show, I played the Duck and Cover song. I feel that that's what many of us in the gun culture and in the Second Amendment culture are doing. We're ducking and we're covering. Now also remember that there are lots of people out there who are Second Amendment supporters, and but they'll never own a handgun. However, they, they say that they support those who choose to keep and bear arms. So what do I mean by that when I say that, that we're ducking and covering? You know, before I answer that, let me... I want to talk to the, to the person or the people who are Second Amendment supporters but are not firearms owners. When gun restrictions or ammo restrictions and outright bans come up in the form of bills and legislations and city ordinances, will you get outraged and fired up enough to contact your local and national officials? I don't think you will. I think you'll say, man, that kind of sucks for them, but you know, you can still get a single-shot shotgun. So the Second Amendment, it's still strong and it's in place. And then you're going to go about your day. For you, the idea of gun ownership is much more powerful in concept than the physical manifestation, for lack of a better word, of owning a firearm. But see, here's the problem. Unless you're a gun owner, you don't have a dog in the fight. And while you may believe that you support the Second Amendment, you really don't. While I can appreciate your support on an intellectual level, you don't have anything at stake. It's like you're sitting at the poker table and you're getting your cards, but you never have to put any money in. So there's no risk for you. If semi-auto handguns went away tomorrow, you're no worse off than you were yesterday. If what I said offends some of you out there or makes you upset, good. It should. For those of you that are supporters but not owners, I want you to do something for me. If you're at home or when you get home, I want you to go up to one of the things that you value the most. It doesn't matter what it is. But I want you to put your hands on it, and I want you to imagine that tomorrow, your ability to own that will be taken away. And it will be taken away, not because of anything that you've done, but is based solely on the illegal actions of others. And also, you're not ever going to be able to own anything like that again. Now imagine if that was a photo album of your children. And they said, you can't own that because some pedophile might get a hold of it and could Photoshop in inappropriate images and put it on the internet. Would you see a restriction like that as being ridiculous? Would you fight for something like that to keep your photos or to keep that item that you really want? And I think you would on that. And that's why it's, it's important for you if you believe that you're a Second Amendment supporter, to also be a firearms owner. 
And I don't care what it is. It can be a handgun, a shotgun, a rifle, a black powder. It doesn't matter. Go out and buy a box of ammo. But once you have that firearm in your hands, or even that box of ammo, it becomes much more real when someone else wants to take it away from you and you know that you haven't done anything that warrants that. So let me talk to some of the gun owners out there. If you're a gun owner and you have a friend who says that they you know, support the Second Amendment but doesn't want to own any type of gun, ask them if they'd contact their elected officials in support of Second Amendment issues and ask them if they would vote for somebody who was clearly anti-gun but lined it up with them on uh, other issues that they agree with politically. Are they even aware of any of the challenges and assaults on uh, firearms ownership and Second Amendment issues today? If they're not willing to do some of those things or learn about them, ask them to do that same exercise I just spoke of. And when you see them the next day, have that same conversation with them. Now, they may not be fully won over to where they would want to go out and actually purchase a firearm, but at least they can be made much more aware of what is at risk. So, again, getting back to the duck and covering issue. Let's talk about that a little bit. On a previous show, I spoke briefly on this subject. When I hear stories of massive gun buys, runs on ammunition and reloading equipment, when I see empty shelves at Cabela's and Sportsman's Warehouse and Bass Pro Shop, when I go online on uh, Midway USA and Brownells websites and just about every single thing is on back order, I always wonder how many of these same people who have spent untold hours on the internet looking for deals, who have been calling gun stores, and in many cases taken the time to go to some of those same gun stores and they, they get to know the people who work there so that they can be put on a list or get a call when primers or reloading dies or ammo or a handgun that they want comes in. How many of those people take the time to find out who their local and national representatives are? How many are contacting those same representatives and saying, my name is so-and-so, please oppose any and all anti-gun legislation and any bill that weakens our Second Amendment right? And please support the bills that strengthen our Second Amendment rights. How many of those same people will take the time to drive to an engagement where their representatives are speaking and meet them face to face. Unfortunately, I think what most of us are doing is we're going to ground. We're hoarding supplies with the attitude of, well, when the band comes, I'll have my stuff. And that's a defeatist attitude. If you're thinking that, then you've already lost. It's already over for you. Right now, today is the time to get in touch with all our representatives and let them know what we want. Now, I believe that our representatives have gotten a small message and have taken notice of current buying trends, but this has to be followed up and they need to be hearing from us constantly. Um, 
the absolute bare minimum is probably about once a month. You know, recently on Tom Gresham's show, I heard an interview with Ted Nugent, and he said something that really rang true for me. And that was, if your senator, your congressman, your state legislatures, your mayor, the city council members, whoever, if they don't know you, they don't represent you. If they don't hear from you, there's no way that they can know what you want. We, all of us, must contact our representatives and let them know that we want them to not only support pro-Second Amendment legislation and bills, but we want them as our representatives, as people who are supposed to represent us to protect the Second Amendment and make no compromises. We don't want them to take a step back. We only want them to move forward. I think a very good way to let them know that we are watching them without using what I would term as a ultimatum language would be things like... Uh, uh, ultimative language is, is, is things when people say like, uh, you know, you need to vote pro-Second Amendment or I'll, I'll vote you out of office. Now, I think a much more effective way would be to say I was pleased or I was disappointed with your vote for or against House Bill number 123. Uh, if they voted pro-Second Amendment, say thank you for your support and on this issue and please continue to vote this way. If they voted against... Uh, what you feel is a pro-Second Amendment issue, tell them, look, I disagreed with your position on this issue. And in the future, if similar bills are, are put forth, please vote for the protection of the Second Amendment. Contact the opposition, even the ones who always vote anti-Second Amendment. If they're in the opposite party from you, you don't have to say, uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the other party. Just say, I'm a registered voter. Always be polite and concise. Look, if they get 5,000 contacts, um, such as emails, phone calls, letters, whatever, that's going to make an impression. When they have open hearings, try to attend. Uh, that's where your, your local state organizations can really help you out. Most of our local state uh, organizations have tons of information and will also have all the contact info uh, and usually even the voting records of all our representatives. Um, also, if you ever did meet one of your representatives, and this is, uh, again, why you need to kind of get to know who they are and, and what they look like so you could recognize them if you're ever out and about. Uh, and again, uh, from either side of the issue, go up to them, smile, shake their hand, and say, Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm a registered voter. Thank you for your time and service to the state, the town, the city, you know, whatever. Uh, say, I'm a Second Amendment supporter, and I hope you'll you support our civil rights during your term of service. And again, thank you. And then you're done. Walk away. Now, imagine if, uh, if that were to happen at a speaking event that they were at, and there was maybe around 200 people in attendance, and if there were only 10 or even, let's say, 20 people, said something positive about the Second Amendment to him. Do you think it would make some type of an impression? I think it would. Uh, and if at the next five events, if at each one of those events, if 10, maybe 15 people come and say, please support the Second Amendment, I think that will make a, a, 
a strong impression on them. At least they'll know that there's people out there who are are active and willing to get involved that support the Second Amendment. Now, let's say if that rep wants to talk to you for a little bit on your views, have some talking points and some, for lack of a better word, soundbite responses ready for them. Uh, and especially if it happens to be the anti-gun person. And let's say they were to say, uh, well, you know, I support the Second Amendment, but they're... There's a need for common sense restrictions. You know, you could easily say, well, you know, I agree. I feel that felons and people who are violent criminals shouldn't have guns. But law-abiding people, you know, shouldn't be punished for the acts of others. And, and then you're out. You know, you can, uh, a quick 10, 15 second response like that can carry a lot of weight. And there are a lot of, of kind of this, what I would call again, the soundbite arguments that the other size has. And we need to be able to counter those pretty quickly and pretty concisely. Uh, one last thing, again, don't hesitate to contact senators and, and congresspeople from other states other than yours. Uh, and you can, and I've done it before. I've contacted people in Oklahoma and Utah, uh, New Mexico, and I've, I've sent a thing saying, even though I don't live in your state, I appreciate your efforts to protect the Second Amendment on behalf of all of us uh, in the United States. Uh, so you need to let these guys know that are pro-Second Amendment, we need to let them know that we expect them to protect and support the rights of all Americans and not just, and not just the, uh, the people from their state. Well, I think my voice is about ready to give out, so I think it's time for me to wrap it up and end the show. So in conclusion, my point is that we just can't sit on the sidelines. Those days are gone. We cannot have an attitude of, well, you know, that assault weapons ban is coming and there's just nothing I can do about it because there is something that we can do if we're willing to put some time in. What we cannot do is buy up everything that we think will be banned. We can't go to ground. Um, we have to be active. If we're going to stick our heads in the sand and try and route it out, that's the wrong, that's the wrong thing to do. You got to remember, if your head is in the sand, your ass is in the air. And if you're going to bury your head, don't be surprised when you get a boot up your ass. And that may sound a little harsh, uh, and it, it's meant to. Um, we're we're facing some major, major challenges, and we're going to have a big, huge fight on our hand. And just because it's not happening right now, right this second, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen six months from now, or a year and a half from now. Okay, well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Um, remember that over at Gun Rights Radio Network, there are tons of shows. We're getting more and more uh, podcasters and more and more shows. Uh, there's something over there for everyone. So uh, give all those other guys a listen. Um, I would name them off, but like I said, my voice is starting to give out. So just head on over to the uh, Gun Rights Radio Network and uh, subscribe to all of them, and I'm sure you'll find something that you like. Uh, so I hope you guys uh, have a good day, and uh, stay safe out there, stay informed, and remember, we'll save a seat for you at our table at the Firearms Cafe. Take care.
All music provided courtesy of Podsafe Audio. Go to Podsafe Audio for all your podcasting music needs. P.S. Don't let somebody put a boot in your ass.